On the Bidji, cross the Mallee, in the Pilbara, round the valley, they're waking up with Mac. Macca, it's Alan from Melbourne. How are you? Oh, g'day, Alan. Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, what can I say? We're here in Melbourne, and you know, I would just like to tell people that it's about trying to be positive. The thing I've learned about a positive attitude is a positive attitude is infectious, and a negative attitude is actually wildly infectious, like the disease. So we need to try and stay positive and get through this. I think we appreciate the school teachers more than we ever did. Fortunately, my kids are 24 and 21, so I haven't had to do the homeschooling, but I've got some friends who are doing it and saying how tough it is. It's tough going for people in Melbourne, I can tell you walking down the street it's a ghost town the mask is interesting i mean i found two things about it one when you go for a walk with a mask on you get a lot hotter than you normally would so you tend to sweat it up a bit which i guess is a sort of small advantage because you're getting a bit of exercise and you're getting a bit of sweat but secondly if you've got the ipod on and you and you sing along to songs no one knows who's singing it so that's the advantage you can belt it out with a terrible voice like mine and and no one knows it's you. It's just, it's just bloody brilliant. It's interesting to look at the masks that people have. You know, some people have got them in 40 colours and some people have gone the basic black, you know. Some people have got flowers all over them and some people have handwritten little, you know, messages on the paper ones and stuff. So there's also an art in just checking out. Uh, some people are using it as a fashion statement more than a piece of uh, PPE gear. You can probably learn a little bit from people by the masks that they choose. <laughs> Good on you, Alan. See you in Melbourne sometime when it's all over, eh? Cheers, Macca. Family scattered all around Oz, but that don't matter on Sunday because we're all together, Australians, on Sunday morning. I start my week with Macca on Sunday morning. Good morning. Welcome. That was Alan last week, Alan Colvin in Melbourne. And wherever you are in Australia this morning, most of the borders seem to be, for one reason or another, blocked. But... um. Wherever you are, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you and we'll bring you some interesting bits and pieces. I've got some lovely stories this morning, a lovely why I live where I live this morning, um, which um, you'll enjoy. This is from Kerry Piers. We're long-time listeners, but first time contacting. We moved from Victoria to Townsville eight years ago and we love it here. Since we moved, we've had a beautiful big green tree frog who lives in my pot plant downstairs. I think in a time like this too, if you can get hold of nature... Just have a look at whatever, little insects or ants or... That was out of the Bible, wasn't it? Go to the ant and study her ways. Look at a lizard, watch birds. Very, very calming thing, I think. Anyway, Kerry continues, uh, This frog is very big. I don't know how old he is, but he's, he's so friendly. He sleeps all day in the pot plant, and in the evening he gets up for a swim in the dog's water bowl and goes venturing into the night. Sometimes he likes to sit on the washing machine. Or on top of the TV. Well, that'd be right. I'd be probably watching The Bachelor or something like that. Sometimes, duh, sometimes he has a friend over for a sleepover. <laughs> when it rains, he disappears for a couple of days, and I worry something's got him, but he always returns. I've attached a couple of photos for you. Keep up the good work. Love the show, says Kerry and Barry Piers. Isn't that nice? I get, did I give you the number? Our number is... Um, <laughs> 1300 700 triple two. Uh, as well, this is from Graham. Graham, what skew with Kelly? Um, Graham writes poetry about all sorts of things, and uh, he says this Ned Kelly was before his time a man of special rank. He always wore a facial mask when entering a bank. <laughs> That's skew with his little possum is uh his uh, skew whiff. 
Uh, our number, 1300 Good uh, G'day, this is Macca. Uh, good morning, Macca. It's Kevin Butler. Oh, how are you, Kevin? From Blazade. Yeah, really. Yes. How what? are you, Macca? I'm all right. Haven't heard from you for a while. How's things been going? No, very well. Um, we've been um, still uh, doing Blazade, 27 bases uh, during COVID from Kangaroo Island right through Victoria, New South Wales, up to the Queensland border. So it's um, it's still been very, very busy times, uh, Macca. Yep. Um, now, Macca, um, look, just some fabulous news for um, all the supporters of Blazade um, and yourselves and Lee Kelly, um, that uh, Her Majesty the Queen um, has um, awarded uh, Blazade with the Commonwealth Point of Light Award um, for volunteerism. Well, isn't that fabulous? Mm. Mm. So um, recognition is just enormous because it's only um, a, a Commonwealth co- country um, uh, every week um, uh, during the year. This year, uh, this current week, it's Australia, um, and Blazade has been chosen for the volunteer work we do after natural disasters. So I know there's hundreds of thousands of people who've supported Blazade with the CWA ladies, the Rotary, the Lions, the church groups, the the backpackers are out there right now preparing to go out on the fence lines at Milford and Cabaco and all those areas burnt out by the bushfires. How many um, How many camps have you got at the moment, Kevin? Yeah, there's 27, Mark, but we've got a new one starting up at Jinjalik, um, which is um, on the uh, near the New South Wales-Victorian border, but it's in New South Wales. But we're very keen on getting this one going. So if, um, if anyone there would like to go down to Jinjalik, we start up this week. Um, we'd be very, very delighted to to have the help. Of course, the COVID rules have got to be strictly adhered to, but um, you know, once uh, uh, you know the, the qualification has been done with prior testing and and uh, the social distancing and respecting the the, uh, the regulations by health authorities, we're we're on and forwards and helping farmers rebuild their fences because there's still a lot of work to be done, Maker. Good on you, Kevin. It's great to talk to you, mate. Uh, and as always, blazehead.com if people want to get in touch with you and uh, help you out. Good on you, mate. Great That'd to talk lovely. to you. Remember Gingelic. We need people at Gingelic ASAP, please. Thank you, Macca. Good on you, mate. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Oh, hi, Macca. It's Linda speaking. G'day, Linda. How are you going? Yeah, good. Where are you? Um, I'm in a little area called Ozen Cadnook. I'm in the, inside the Victorian South Australian border. Ozen Cadnook. Uh, yeah. Groovy, <laughs> groo- groovy name. <laughs> so, um, so where are you? Um, we're about 30... 35 k's inside the South Australian border on the Victorian side. Uh-huh. So I'm just ringing up to, um, you know, there's a lot of communities that are um, um, affected by this COVID cross-border um, decision, South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland, Queen, New South w- Wales. Western Australia, Tasmania, yeah. you name um, it. Yeah, like it goes on, small communities, you know, everybody's got a story. People, people are affected. I just think the the common sense, the lack of common sense with our politicians high up is just um, terrible. They've got no idea how small communities along those lines, they don't, the line doesn't mean anything to them. How, how's it affecting you, Linda? Well, it's not, I'm, I'm affected in, uh, we've, we've recently just bought a station in New South Wales and um, as it stands, we can't, um, get a, if we come, in, I'm home in Victoria. My husband's in New South Wales. If he comes home to uh, Victoria, he can't get back to 
um, attend the station, um, you know, check on things. Even if we get a manager there, you still like to go up and, you know, you still want to attend to your farm, your stock. Um, and it, that's affecting a lot of people, Victoria, New South Wales. We've got a family, I've got a young family that live not far from me. They've got a head of, head of contracting business. They can't get through to New South Wales. They've got work lined up. Um, you know, there's going to be farmers that aren't going to get their crops off. Shearers that, shearers that can't get into shear. We've got a small town called Francis on the South Australian side of our border, which is our local footy club area. Their school is about 800 metres in to South Australia. Um, 80% or 90% of their kids live in Victoria. You know, it's just so cruel that these kids uh, have to be ostracised and divided. Mm. Um, and isn't, it's isn't, causing... there, isn't there a... Isn't there, I thought this border thing was, was basically for, for people who were wanting to travel, but people who lived on the border, surely you can get a pass or something, for God's sake. Well, they're bringing in a new rule on Friday, the 20, this Friday the 21st. Mm. Um, there's hardly any exemptions. You've got to be exceptional, exceptional I don't know, uh, not Circumstances. exceptional. You've got to be, be an essential worker. But education's not in that. Um, agriculture is not in that. Um, if you go, if a shearer comes into Victoria, I think how it stands is when they go back to South Australia, they're going to have to um, quarantine for two weeks. Um, you know, we, we've had this little bubble working, 40 k's in inside the border, and we're only allowed to go 40 k's the other side, which has been working great. No cases have come out of this this bubble. It goes from Mount Gambier up to, you know, Pinaroo, Lamaroo. It goes right up. It affects so many... You, you, on Facebook, all these small things, small businesses that are closing down because they live on the Victorian side and they've got a business in Pinaroo or Lamaroo or Narracourt or wherever they are. Mm. It, they just—it's just the rules. All every t- all the time, something happens. The rules always affect the wrong people. You just get so <laughs> sick of it, don't you? You know, like it, it, all, it, all the all the cases come out of the city, and you can't blame anybody, but. The cases are spreading in the city thicker, coming out of the city. It's going to destroy lives. And the mental anguish on some people, not being able to tend to their animals or their crops, or, the, you know, farmers got... I know one family who've got three kids. You know, running their farm and then have to homeschool in their children, it, it, it turns into, you know, it's just terrible. It's, you know, you can't run a business and teach children... No. It, oh, I know. It, it's it's yeah. it's and it affects kids um, big time. I reckon a lot, of, especially I don't know, little kids who are two and three. You know, they just potter around, and it's just a new yeah. normal. But for anyone, you know, you're doing school and high school, and wow. Anyway, Linda, thanks for your call. Just, we just need to get onto the politicians. They just there's no common sense in some of the decisions they're making, and they're causing a real divide in. Um, in our community. Yeah, well, that's right, exactly right. I mean, all the borders are closed. It's, it's not like we're one country anymore. I mean, and, and, and apparently the medical advice is that we don't close the borders. The medical advice is that you don't close the borders. Well, I don't the know medical, where it, The medical yeah. advice is keep your distance, wash your hands, and look after yourself. That's the medical, exactly. advi- that's the educate, medical advice. Educate people. You but, know, but, it, it's... It's, just, it's, it's causing... It, we've had ladies go to Narracourt to do their shopping and they've had their cars keyed because they've got Victorian number plates. It's <laughs> just, this is not the world we want to live in.
Linda, um, it's the first call I've had from Oz and, oh, Oz and Cadnook. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's lovely to talk to you, Linda. You keep in touch and, and good luck with... Uh, yeah, you keep spreading the word, I'd say. <laughs> I thought you were going to yeah. say spreading the virus. No, no spread- get the word out. <laughs> We've got to look after each other. I, I don't know what's happened to it. We're all in this together. That's gone out the window, I yeah. think. Good on you, Linda. Places. Yep, good on you. Thanks, okay. Bye. See you. Bye. Hello, it's Vincent here, Macca. G'day, Vincent. From Kyogle. Yeah. Uh, we just... Um, I heard your thing about the on the shopping at... The, uh, at uh, shopping on a Saturday in 1945, going into Tenderfield, a two-mile buggy... Going into Tenderfield. A two-mile buggy ride, yep. Uh, yeah, and the casino road, you know, and we went to casino yesterday because... Uh, we had a horse in the Casino Gold Cup and there's it's all shut down and everything, but we decided the owners are allowed to come in, you know, yeah. and watch the race. And we went and we won the cup you with won. our horse at Whitsend. At Whitsend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I named him like that. I bred him and everything, you know. He's all right. Five years ago. He goes all right. Oh, he's won the gold cup and he's won seven races now, so he, he he's good. But the one of the things I thought I was listening to the the races the other day and Bernadette Cooper came on and there was an announcement this poor little darling up in in Brisbane somewhere and she'd fallen off a pony and is now a paraplegic from the neck down, so I'm quite excited that at least when the money comes through, I'll be able to give some to that little girl, you know. She's just only about nine or something. Dear idea, Vince. Um, yeah. Yeah, horses, horses, yeah, it can be. You've got to look, uh, take care and accidents can happen, all that sort of thing. That's very nice of you, Vince, to do that. Yeah, but, you know, we had our fun and everything yesterday, but that little girl's lying on her back and could be like it. For the rest of her life, you know. So what? What? What's her name? Do you know? Oh uh, no, no. I just sort of caught the thing on the on the racing program. So I'm going to ring up that station and and find out about it. You know. Good on take you. Take it from there. All right. Well, let us know when Whitsend's running <laughs> running again, and we can we can have. He's, a... he's going to be running next next in a fortnight's time at the Mwilumbar Gold Cup. Well, there you go. No chance for the Melbourne Cup, is he, or is he? Uh, no, I don't think. I, I don't think so. More likely the Tabulum Cup. <laughs> oh well, you got to. Yeah, you got to start small. You never know, Vince. You never know, mate. No, we've had a lot of fun with him, and he's he's um, a great. A great. He truly is a great horse. Only, only a bush horse, but he's truly a great horse, and he's given us a lot of fun and. Enjoyment does, does he like a does he like a sugar cube or does he like a carrot or does he like an apple? Oh, he goes for apples. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, Vincey. Good on you, mate. I'll see you in Kyogre sometime. Oh, that'll be wonderful. All yeah. Right. All right. Great. Right. Good on see you, ya, mate. Thanks, Maker. See ya. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. It's Lena from Cobram. Hi, Lena. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. That's good. We're um, here in Cobram prepping for the Australian Best Pie and Pasty competition in two weeks. Where's that on? It's, sorry? Where's that on? 
It's in Sydney in two weeks' time. And is that a national competition? Must be. It is. Yes, it's a national competition. What for the best pie? Best pies. Best meat. Best pie. Best meat pie. Yes, they do. Um, it can be best meat pie. It can be gourmet pies. It can be either your pasties. And and what do you do, Lenny? You've got a, a bakery or something, have you? We have a bakery in Cobram. Yes. And how you reckon you're going to go? Oh, we'll see. We've won a. We've last year we we won a bronze and a and a silver <laughs> for our pasties and our pies. Our pepper pies and our chunky black, uh, chunky in So this is yes. this is on at Randwick Racecourse. When two weeks time? In two weeks time. Wow! I might come out and see you. You'll be there, will you, Lena? Oh, unfortunately, we won't be there. We won't be able to get there. Oh, that's we're right. In regional Victoria. Yeah, you're so, over the border. Yeah, we yeah. Can't, can't go anywhere. We can't go over there. Yeah. All so right. they had. They were well, going to have it in Melbourne, but they moved it over to Sydney. All right. Well, you good luck, Lena. Um, good luck with Thank that. You. We'll we'll follow that up and see how you go. You ring us after that. I I'd say we will. Let's hope let's you get fingers. let's gold for Lena. Good on, <laughs> good on you, Lena. Got to fly. Nice to talk <laughs> Thank to you. you. Very much. Pleasure. You too. Bye, Maka. When I look through my back pages, which I've been doing of late, this is from 1990. I'm just amazed. I came across this letter from the then Commonwealth Surveyor General, G.K. Lindsay. And so I looked on my search engine and I couldn't find a Commonwealth Surveyor General. I don't know, maybe the position still exists. I don't know who he or she is. But anyway, this was we were talking at the time in 1990 about creeks because people travel, they still travel, although not as much. And they were always writing to me about creek names and things like that. The Surveyor General... At that time, G.K. Lindsay was listening and he said this. Dear Ian, as Commonwealth Surveyor General, I have a schedule which takes me to all parts of Australia and the world. When I have time, I like to listen to your program on Sundays. I particularly enjoyed the letter you read a few weeks ago which highlighted some of the idiosyncrasies of Australia's stream names. In my wanderings, both as a surveyor and a map maker, I have continually been amused and delighted by the imagination of our forebears, used in naming places. Indeed, a few of us had good-hearted competitions to find some of the more unusual names. Generally, the most unusual were associated with homesteads, but streams and mountains also showed great imagination in their naming. Referring to streams, though, I may be able to answer a few of the questions raised. My organisation, and that's Auslig at the time, is responsible for producing topographic maps over Australia. A topographic map can be called a general reference map because it shows exactly what's on the ground. Roads, towns, streams, lakes, homesteads, mines, elevation, the list is endless. The maps we produce are called Ausmaps and are a familiar sight around the country. However, back to stream names. All the features which are named on our Ausmaps we record in a master names file, which is a grandiose name for a gazetteer. Obviously, if a feature occurs on more than one map, it would be recorded more than once. That aside, this list is a good way of checking on stream names across the whole of the country. I agree with your correspondent that there are an enormous number of stream names, something like Other Mile Creek, you know, one, two, three, four, four. I have not calculated exactly how many instances there are of the name being used in the master names file, but I believe that there would be at well over 500, if not even more. For many years, the highest numbered stream I've been able to find was 27 Mile Creek. However, I recently found that there is an 80 Mile Creek near the town of Croydon in far north Queensland. Without a doubt, the most common stream names beyond something or other mile is Sandy Creek. 
there are close to 400 instances of the name being used in the master names file. The next closest, with over 300 entries, are black something or other, black dog, black snake, black gully and so on, and surprisingly but highlighted in the number of Scots, who were also early settlers to the country, Mac or Mook someone. Following these two comes a multitude of names with over 200 entries. These include Rocky Creek, Middle Creek, Deep Creek, Dingo Creek, Big Something or Other, for example, Big Ben, Horse Hill, Rock, and if you can imagine it, Maria and Minnie. A large number of names are recorded more than a hundred times. I think there is an interesting variety in them. Most simply describe the stream or things that are associated with it. They include Boundary Creek or Gully, Boggy Creek, Camp Creek, Chinaman's Creek, Cedar Creek, Reedy Creek, and somewhat ominously, Dead Something or Other Creek, for example, Dead Bull Creek, Dead Dog Creek, Dead Horse Creek, Dead Man Creek. On the theme of death, Murder Something or Other is also a popular name, but nowhere is popular. I'm not able to help you as to the precise derivation of the stream name you mentioned. Was it Murdering Hut Creek? I do, however, know that a practice in parts of the Monero region of southern New South Wales was to have a shed where stock were killed for homestead use. I believe the idea was to prevent other stock from knowing what was going on. These sheds are sometimes called murdering sheds or murdering huts. In fact, some farm paddocks still bear the name of the shed, even though they have long disappeared. The names I've mentioned are a few of those commonly used. Whilst surveyors were originally instructed to try and find out and use Aboriginal names, it was often quite difficult for them to do so. More recently, there has been a revival of interest in Aboriginal names, and these are coming into use. I hope you find my ramblings about names a bit helpful. There are many names which are uniquely Australian and help all of us to identify with and relate to our homeland. Thanks for the show, says G.K. Lindsay, who was then, in 1990, Commonwealth Surveyor General... As I said, I couldn't find the Commonwealth Surveyor General on my search engine. The nice thing was the fact that the Commonwealth Surveyor General was listening to the program and contributed such a a wonderful piece. I'll tell you why I live where I live. This is from Luke, Luke Batten, and he says, I've attached a short story about a comet I never saw. It's a bit of a funny old time at the moment down here in Melbourne. I personally have itchy foot syndrome. If I'm not surfing or golfing or doing anything outdoors, I'm at the farm checking on my bees. And right now we're doing just our bit and riding this one out indoors. There have been some great messages on your show recently and I love the broadcast. Ian, I'm sorry to say this, but I'm 34 and I've been listening since I was a kid. Well, what's a kid? About 19? That'd be right. Um, Lukey? (laughs) Anyway, this is Lukey's story and he's from South Yarra and it's called The Comet Neowise. This story dates back not to yesteryear or anything like that, rather July the 14th. And although not so long ago, time has a funny meaning at the moment, like Dali's melting clocks in the persistence of memory. I had read about the comet Neowise and I thought how much I needed a morale boost in this time of uncertainty. I had read you could see it at dawn out to the west. I could have read on or investigated further, but with hope, sometimes less is more. And so I set the alarm before the rooster. So the alarm went off bright and early for normal life, which is a thousand times brighter for COVID times. I kitted up in my walking in winter Melbourne uniform of a black puffer jacket, and before I stepped out, I realised my work from the night before was set up in the living room. I'd done a small photo shoot in a makeshift home studio, which was the best I could do due to the times. I didn't want to wake my wife with the early bird alarm, only for her to awake and see a messy living room. From the living room window, you can see east and the sky was dark, so I had a little time up my puffy sleeve. (laughs) 
<laughs> good is that? As I packed away one of the lights, I dropped a giant rod crushing my toe. I remember cursing the mother of creation as that pain shot up my body, but due to the ungodly hour, I did not exhale a whimper. If you're familiar with South Yarra, there are some iconic gems that make it such a beautiful suburb. When I cut down River Street, I hit the Church Street Bridge. There is over a hundred years of history dating back to the original Iron Girder. The glowing amber globes illuminate the morning air in warmth. The Yarra was very still below. There was not a car on the road and the occasional person passed on their morning routine. The air was crisp and to the east the dawn was awakening. To the west the remnants of the night sky hides behind the cityscape. Yet I cannot see Neowise, the comet. I used an astrology app on my phone that helps identify the stars. I point and shoot at this star and that star, at that one and this one. None are Neowise. The twinkling stars are fading and the soft light paints the sky in an eggshell blue. The dawn is creeping over my shoulder and if I don't see Neowise this morning, it'll be gone for 7,500 years and I don't think I'll make it to its next appearance. I decided I'd push along to the next bridge. I might get a better angle to the western skyline. I passed the classic apartments from a scene in Beverly Hills. You'll know them if you know them. The cockatoos dance there in the evening, squawking with pride, so happy to be near water. I push past there, past the native bush where the bellbirds sing to each other, and I pop out onto the Punt Road Bridge. The day is here. The city is luminescent with the earliest golden rays. The last stars have disappeared for now, and the comet is nowhere to be seen. There isn't a breath of wind, and through the crisp temperature, the morning air whispers with excitement, hinting that it's going to be a glorious day. A famous Melbourne vista as the rower skulls and the Yarra ripples in their wake. The city stands before me in majesty. The mighty Colosseum's white-numbered towers are tickled pink and the sun creeps its way into the day. I think of the memories that stadium has produced. I think of the happy times. I think of the dream time of our First Nations people and their story. I think of Anzac Day and those who sacrificed everything for our freedom. I can't imagine what that would have been like, and I almost feel ashamed to have murmured thoughts to myself that this is tough, that what has been asked of me as a Victorian by my government is tough. I was looking for a comet as a beacon of hope, and I found it in our beautiful city. I found it in history and the pride of being a Melbourneian and an Australian. We will bounce back. Play on, shouts the umpire. Isn't that a mighty story? That's Luke Batten. He lives in South Yarra. If you'd like to write to Why I Live Where I Live, please do so. Post Office Box 9994, Sydney 2001. I love South Yarra like he does. That was the first job I ever had in Melbourne, was down in South Yarra, and I lived there for, I don't know, just a month, six weeks, but it was a great time. I'm just waiting to when I can get back to Melbourne and eat cakes and buy clothes and just take it all in and hear the music. If you'd like to write to Why I Live Where I Live, Post Office Box 9994, Sydney 2001. That's Why I Live Where I Live for this week. Hi, Maka. I'm Huey and I'm 10 years old and I'm travelling Australia. <laughs> and um, today we're at a rest stop on the Ord River near the turn-off to the Bungle Bungles. Oh, and yeah. I'd just like to tell you all about our travels. <laughs> Where are you from, Huey? Well, we're from Sydney and um, we left in October last year. And then we went through Victoria and South Australia and did um, Kangaroo Island, which was super cool. Um, we did, and we did some fishing there, and we caught lots of fish. And then we crossed the Nullarbor in December, and then we went to Western Australia, and we were like, 
so nice. And then like, and yeah, it was like we love Western Australia. It's so cool. I'll bet. So Huey, you're uh, you're at the Ord this, this morning. You're near the Bungle Bungles. Um, yeah. Wh- wow. What a what a great experience. There's lots of Australians who'd like to be with you and like to be up there, Huey. Yeah, I know. They're a pretty good place. And and you're doing uh, school of the back seat, I suppose, are you? Um, kind of, not really. Um, but it it's called distance education through a school at Port Macquarie, and they send us all our schoolwork out to um the nearest post office, and we we'll pick it up. Um, yeah, and then we'll do that, and then we'll send it back, and then every fortnight we'll have a um FaceTime lesson with our teacher and just say what we've been up to and then um, catch up on some schoolwork that we are having trouble with, and yeah. Well, that sounds like a lovely trip. So how many is it, what, who's with you, Mum and Dad? And Mum and Dad and my brother, who's actually turning 12 today, and yeah. So, and we're, it's just four of us and travelling. So how long will you be on the road for, do you reckon, Huey? Um... I think we're going back in about two months. So after the Bungle Bungles, we'll head into the Northern Territory and we'll do a bit of that and do like Darwin and then um, Kakadu. And then we'll kind of shoot across to um, Queensland. <laughs> Get this kid. And then Mum will fly home from Lockhampton for work. And then me and Dad and my brother will just fly, we'll just um, caravan just down to our Poppy's house, which is in Pottsville. And then we'll finish the trip with Mum from there. Wow, it sounds <laughs> it sounds a great thing, Huey. I wish, uh, yeah, that's a lovely thing to do. You zoom down to here, and we'll go up to Darwin, and we'll just uh, take in the bungle bungles, and then we'll do this. Oh, fantastic, yeah. mate! Fantastic. And yesterday we were in, um, like we were at Winjana Gorge, and then we went down, and there were so many crocodiles, and then we also saw. We went into Tunnel Creek and it was so um, amazing because, like, it's pitch black and you got to need head torches and you walk through water. I'm only small, so I got up to um, about my shoulders in croc waters because you could see all the crocs and I was like, I was wow. super scared. Oh. But And there was also a really cool cave that we went into um, which had limestone pillar um, things and then you could tap it and make different noises. Uh, Huey, uh, look, you uh, you keep in touch. Um, you'll you'll be away. Really, you've been away for a year. By the time you get home, you'll be in a, you'll be home about October, I suppose. So that's the that was the plan, eh? To go away for a year. Yeah, and I'd like to say um, also just to say hi to my grandma, which who listens every um, week, and she loves the show. Where, where's she? She's in Orange. All right, in New South Wales. There you go. Yeah. All we right, here. Go on. The funny thing is that we call her Orange Grandma. <laughs> Orange Grandma. All right, Huey. Um, great to talk to you, mate. Yeah, and, great and, to and talk you, to you too. You keep in touch, and uh, anything, and anytime you're coming across any news or things you need to report to the rest of Australia, just give us a ring, okay? Okay. All right. Look after yourself. Stay stay clear of Crocs, okay? Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Becca. Good on you. See ya. Bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Good morning, Macca. It's Robert from Charlestown. Yeah, near Newcastle. That's correct. How are you, Robert? Not too bad, Macca. 
Love your show. You have a mighty show. I've been listening to you for years. Thank you. Maka, I just wanted to bring the attention of your listeners. In the Telegraph this week, the um, Rural Fire Brigade, the Bush Fire Brigade, has lost some of their tankers, uh, which is a little land cruiser with a generator and, a, and some water on it. Mm. Uh, four-wheel drives that can go out uh, into the bush and that. They've been stolen, but also uh, troop carriers are losing one a fortnight on the Central Coast. Really? And my son and daughter-in-law live south of Toronto, and these were stolen last Thursday. They've just spent $10,000 on a service, a new bull bar, a new winch, and some painting on that vehicle. And they had all their camping gear and... Their um, esky and all that, another 10,000 worth and tools in their back of their, their troop carriers, it's all gone. Wow. And did you say this is happening quite a bit? Yes. So what are they doing with them? Rebirthing them or something, are they? Yes. Wow. And that and that's the... Um, you think that's a... Yeah, for, well, for professional gang, that's all. Professional gang. Well... Mm. I wonder if they, the police can get hold of them. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, so do I. So do yeah. I. Isn't it amazing in times like these when things are going tough, the rats get out and start uh, working their evil? Well, probably fortunate that the borders are closed and that, but it's all, could be all in New South Wales, you know. Yeah. All right, Robert. Well, uh, thanks for letting people know. Um, I, I don't know. They'll probably take them apart as soon as they get them, so you won't find people driving around in them, will you? Oh, yeah, like a brand new one. Yeah. It's going to cost him 90000 on the road. Well, he can't afford that. No, exactly. The vehicle's insured and that, but not for all that money. No. All right, Robert. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Okay, Macca. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Maka. It's Scott speaking from Brisbane. G'day, Scotty. Just wanted to uh, ring you and tell you about a bit of an adventure I've just been on. Go. Uh, Wednesday week ago, a guy rang and said, oh, we're going for a bit of a ride to the pub on Saturday for a beer. Do you want to come? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. Love to come. Where are we going? He said, we're going out to Batuta. They've just opened the pub. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, go on. <laughs> So we jumped on our bikes and uh, we just this got back yesterday. Motorbikes, yep. Yeah, motorbikes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we did 3,300 k's, I think, in about six days to have a beer. It was fantastic. <laughs> well, tell us about the Batuta <laughs> pub. I didn't. Last time we were in Batuta, there was nothing there. Yeah, well, the pub's been derelict, I think, and uh, you know, sort of let go for about 24, 25 years. And a guy called Robbo, who's a panel beater from Brisbane, uh, ended up buying it, and he's he's restored it, along with his trusty mate called Cockroach, who's a <laughs> who's a fantastic uh, bush builder from Windora. So they've been able to source a whole lot of materials and things from from uh, dumps on large cattle properties out there, and had things going out on big road trains, and it's taken about four years, I think, with all the development applications and what have you to get it open, but. No, it's just fantastic. Were there, were there many others there apart from your little group, Scott? Yeah, the, I think it's only been open for about a month. Uh, there were four of us on motorbikes, but there were about four or five other people 
camped there in uh, camper vans and trucks and things that were, were moving through. There you go. So, oh, it's fantastic. They give you a nice cooked meal. They do it on camp ovens at night. The Batuta uh, pub, eh? The Batuta pub. Absolute ripper. <laughs> when times have changed, I'll be there, Scotty. Good. Oh, get out there, mate. Yeah, get out there. It's just beautiful out there. A lot of rain around out there. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.